1: like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore
2: NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Thursday night after the Timberwolves closed out the back-to-back against Sacramento and San Antonio with a second consecutive win. The Wolves started the game tonight on a 13-0 run over the Spurs. They got that lead up to 19 when it was 22-3, seven minutes into the game, and by the end, the lead was 25. Final score, Wolves 115, Spurs 90. So I think the question as we sit here after, you know, a week against Phoenix, Sacramento and San Antonio is, you know, how should how good should we feel about the Wolves week that they've had? You know, Saturday night coming into this, they leave L.A. after getting smacked by the Clippers. And that made this run of three games and four nights here Monday through Thursday pretty important. Monday's game was a loss against Phoenix, but it was. It was one of their better defensive games of the season. You know, I don't want to totally do the moral victory thing, but I think it was a performance I don't think you would classify as a disappointing performance in a loss. Then they go into Wednesday, and it was kind of the inverse of that. It was a win that didn't exactly feel inspirational. It kind of felt like they played to the Kings level that night, but a win nonetheless. So building in the right direction. And then tonight, you know, tonight was taking care of a business, you know, being a Spurs team that clearly has only a fraction of the talent the Wolves have. And at the end of the day, I guess this back-to-back of wins is ultimately just home wins over bad teams. So that in and of itself is a little underwhelming, but I think I look at it a little differently because you have that Clippers game, losing to them for a third time this season, and it just really felt like, this Wolves team was wasn't anywhere close to being a playoff team, but I think these two games and the kind of the random happenstance of it being Kings and Spurs and then Grizzlies on Saturday, I, I think the happenstance of it's kind of like climbing the ladder, right? Like those are the teams that the Wolves are right around in in theory in the in the Western Conference. I think it serves as a good reminder that the initial bar of being a play-in team just isn't that high in the Western Conference this season. I mean, to make the play-in, all you have to do is be better than five teams in the West, right? Ten seed. Houston and New Orleans, they've already cemented themselves as teams that will be in the bottom five this season. They're 1-14 and 2-12 and on the year. And then there's Oklahoma City, who's doing what Oklahoma City does <laughs> these years where they're winning more games than they probably want to. They're 6-8 and eight on the year so far, but you feel confident that they will force their way you know, to the bottom of the West by season's end. So I think that's three teams I think you can pretty much guarantee will finish below the Wolves in the standings this year. So really, all the Wolves have to do to make the play-in is be better than any two other teams in the West. And the two most likely candidates there are Sacramento and San Antonio. Sac is now 6-9, and nine, and San Antonio is 4-11 and 11 on the year. And we just watched the Wolves play them. The Wolves are clearly better than those teams I talked a lot after the Clippers loss I think it was about adjusting expectation expectations for this Wolves team when they were four and eight and they played a really easy schedule through those first 12 games of the season but what we didn't really know right was like what what is a realistic expectation for this team and I think what we've gathered this week in these games is that there is still you know there's still an ambiguous like higher end upside to this team in terms of total wins that maybe just isn't that high given what we've seen. But I do think given how bad those bottom five teams in the West are that you should have some more confidence in the expectation of this Wolves team being able to be a playing team better than five teams being better than Houston, New Orleans, OKC, Sacramento and San Antonio is definitely an achievable goal. And if you want to prove that your expectations are even higher than that, then go out and beat Memphis on Saturday. They're that next tier. Tonight's offensive performance is something that I think should inspire a little bit of confidence that that next tier is possible. Chris Finch said after the game, he described it as the the most amount of purpose he's seen from this group offensively this season. And if you watch the game from the jump, the ball moved to Ant, to D'Lo, and through Cat, who was just a stabilizing force the whole night things connected as well as they have all season tonight. That's what Chris Finch was most pleased about post-game, and it was that flow he's been talking about all year. That flow finally came to fruition. We are like, okay, that's what it looks like. It was the first time this season Finch seemed legitimately pleased after a game. Here's Chris Finch.
3: And locked into from the three-point line, a season high night as a team. Just how pleased were you to see those shots going in?
2: Uh, You know, just as pleased as everybody
3: else, really. I mean, it's been that type of year. We've said they'd be coming. It's 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 not a coincidence. Like when you play with the purpose that we had, and the quick decision making, and the flow, like guys can feel where their shots are going to come from. So it makes it easier to shoot. When you guys, when we don't have that, then it's you know we might have open looks, but the rhythm of the of the game and the way it feels doesn't doesn't feel the same to a shooter. You see a lot of your guys from the bench really stepping up. Forty-one points tonight from your reserves. What do you have to say about the depth? Yeah, that's exactly what you need on a back-to-back. Um, you need guys to come in and uh, contribute. And you know, like Jaden, uh, just Jaden's best game. You know, Torian's best game. and Maybe Malik, certainly from a shooting point of view, best game out there. Um, so yeah, we just uh, couldn't ask for had a more. Opportune time. Do you see the purpose reflected in the assist and turnover numbers too? Absolutely. Yeah, like just you know, we weren't catching ourselves in like bad spacing or indecision and stuff like that. So, yeah. what do you think of? I mean, it kind of worked out the same thing, but like the shot distribution. I mean, it probably comes from shots going down too, but it just seemed like a really healthy distribution between all the guys it's all related to the same thing like when the ball does the work for you and you trust that the next play player is going to make the same uh you know decision with the same like pure mindset then this is what you know happens you have a way more balanced attack and then you're harder to guard and everything so it's, it's great you know it's been a long time coming for us to play this way now we now we got to play way more like this you
2: know a reason for me that i have more optimism that they can play a lot more like this as finch said is that i do believe the defense feeds into the offense for this team and i'm becoming more of a believer in this team defensively those of you you know who have been listening all year know i've i've more fell in the camp of believing the offense was going to eventually boost its way up slowly over the course of the season but i felt that the wolves stronger start to the season defensively was just like it was a little fake news to me like we, we talked We talked about that a lot with Britt on Wednesday before the Sacramento game. And as I've said, like a big reason I felt the defense was a little faux was because the defensive numbers as a whole were being boosted in the small sample by having played poor teams to start the season. If you look at it in terms of defensive efficiency in those first five games, it's like, wow, the numbers are awesome. Houston game opening night, 91.3 defensive rating, which is a 90th percentile performance. Game two of the season, the first New Orleans game, 97th percentile defensive performance. That second New Orleans game, a loss, but still 63rd percentile defensively. Fourth game against Milwaukee, who was missing a few players, 52nd percentile defensively. And then the fifth game of the year against Denver, another loss, but 82nd percentile defensively. That was five consecutive games to start the season where the Wolves defense was above average. And that felt a lot like it was... To me, about the opponents being bad or short-handed. And then, you know, when the defense stunk in the next five games against the Magic Clippers, Grizzlies, and Warriors, the Wolves rattle off 24th percentile defense, eighth percentile defense, seventeenth percentile defense, fourteenth percentile defense, and those against those teams. And you were like, Yeah, that defensive burst to start the season wasn't real. But then you take in these last five games and Four of the five games, the Wolves, in four of those five games, the Wolves have had a good defensive game. The Lakers game, 98th percentile defense. The Suns game was a loss, but it was a good defensive performance, 83rd percentile. Kings game, 65th percentile. And tonight against the Spurs, I don't have it up yet in terms of what the percentile was on cleaning the glass, but that was a good defensive game too. I'm sure it will come in above 50th percentile. The only bad defensive game of the last five was that Clippers game. And it's not just the numbers. You're seeing the Wolves fuse that aggressive defense that plays in the gaps together with a little bit more rebounding. And tonight you saw them play a lot of zone and rebound the ball well out of the zone. And that's that's the most encouraging piece to me, seeing stints of this team looking competent defensively. Chris Finch, after the game, said the rationale for going with zone tonight was that it would help them keep the Spurs players on the perimeter more and in places where they wouldn't be able to sneak behind the defense and put as much pressure on the offensive glass. And the person I saw benefit from that most was Carl Anthony Towns, who for one of the first times this season made a big rebounding performance seem kind of effortless. I asked Cat about that after the game.
3: Carl, it seemed like
2: the the rebounding as the team was a lot better tonight but for you you were just like in the spot to get the rebound a lot and I guess I think when you guys played more drop last year it felt like that a little bit more you know. tonight you're playing zone a little bit more do you feel I guess does it put you in better rebounding position yes. there and then just as a team do you feel like the zone really helped you guys rebound tonight
1: I mean yeah it helped us rebound uh, I think you made a great point you know this season that really, we've done a lot of high wall I think it's not a it's not a it's not something I cannot talk about. It's something I think enough people have gained. Yeah, it's game tape enough of it now. Uh, it puts me in positions where I'm really not in a rebounding position. I'm more guarding the guard on the thing. So, you know, one of the things you really don't want to do is be running in from a three-point line, trying to find the a, find a rebound, which you don't even know where it's going. So, um, you know, tonight was a night where it just – and some uh we play a little bit of zone and put me in great positions to get rebounds. And that's why, you know, you have, to have a high rebounding game from me. Uh puts a lot of pressure on me when you know, I'm doing a high wall, I'm trying to run it, trying to find the rebound and then offensively. Um I've been shooting the three ball really well. So, you know, obviously popping a little bit, but it makes it hard to get offensive rebound as well. So um just Just a good night of rebounding from all of us. I think me, Vando, did uh, obviously with 12, but I think everyone did a great job of sandwich rebounding. Even when someone didn't get counted for the rebound, they did just as much as the person who ended up with 12.
2: I by no means think the defensive issues are solved with this team. I don't think the rebounding issues, certainly I don't think those are solved. But Chris Finch has been searching for a plan all season of how to effectively compensate for the lack of size that this roster has. The question he was posed with coming into the year was, what buttons can I push that will give us defensive juice? The biggest button he pushed was installing a more aggressive defensive scheme, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, right? Because when you play more aggressive defensively, you pull yourself further out of position from being able to rebound. But it was a very creative move because what happened was the added possessions generated through steals and turnovers made up for what was further sacrificed on the glass in that defensive scheme. The traditional logic there would have been, right? Like, play a more conservative scheme so that Cat is in the paint more often to get rebounds. But a more conservative scheme would have had, it would have generated fewer turnovers. So again, I think Chris Finch was being created with that. But now what we're seeing is kind of like a counterbalance to that too. The zone, which scrambled a lot more around Cat, you know, I think that, That is, those are counterbalancing measures that are pushing other buttons at the same time. You know, the question was, how can we scramble? Because that's our identity. How can we scramble while keeping Cat by the rim? And they ran this scrambling sort of zone that did keep Cat back. I thought Jared Vanderbilt, who has been, I mean, up there, if not the defensive MVP of this team this season, I thought he summed it up really well about just how this is all coming together defensively. It's creating an identity and also helping turn the defense into offense for the Wolves. Many of you from Coach Finch throughout the roster been, were very intentional about being focused about the defense this season, dating back to training camp. How would you say that has
3: progressed and grown over the course of the season, the, the team defense as a whole? Man, I think it's going tremendously. Like you know, Guys are locked in. We bind it on the end of the floor. Uh we're flying around. Some of it has to do with our, you know, defensive scheme. It allows everybody to be involved and be active, flying around, making multiple efforts. So and uh guys have responded well with that. So um uh, we're active in the gaps. I feel like we are doing a better job of rebounding and, and scrambling and just I think a lot of guys are just starting to know personnel. Like uh we've been on guys about watching film and and um, paying attention to your matchups and stuff. And, Guys are just looking at personnel. Like if he's a run them off, short clothes or directional guys, force them left, force them right. And uh, like I said, I feel like everybody's been locked in the line of the floor. And uh, you know, it's like I said, it's helped our offense. It's up, you know the whole flow of the game.
2: As it stands today, the Wolves are six and nine. They rank tenth in the league on defense. And I think in an encouraging bit to that is if you look through the actual records of the other top ten defenses in the league, the Wolves are the only one are only one of two teams in that top 10 who have a losing record thus far. The only other team below 500 who's a top 10 defense is the Celtics, who are 7 and 8. Look at the other eight teams in the top 10 defensively, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Suns, the Wizards, the Heat, the Bulls, the Nuggets, the Jazz. Those eight teams have a combined record of 83 and 37 on the season. That's encouraging if you're the Wolves. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with some more specifics from tonight's game against the Spurs.
4: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We are back discussing the Wolves' 115-90 win over the San Antonio Spurs on Thursday night. And I think a big thing to hit on from tonight was the Wolves' bench. How many times have we been able to say that? Well, we've been noting it lately that the Wolves rotation has shrunk down from the 11-man rotation it was to start the year. And it's now down to eight, even seven, kind of, in some of the games. Tonight, it was eight. And the three bench players were Jaden McDaniels, Malik Beasley, and Torian Prince. You know, part of that rotation being so short tonight specifically, it wasn't about, like, guys just getting DMPs. You know, the other two staples, kind of, of the bench rotation are Josh Okogi and Nas Reed. And they were both of those guys didn't play Okogi, saw his back spasms, and Nas's toe was hurt. But I think what I'm taking from the happenstance of having seen an eight man rotation from the Wolves recently is that these shorter rotations are kind of nice. Guys like Beasley and McDaniels are able to kind of play a bench role come off the bench when, you know, Beasley and McDaniels are like kind of starter level guys for the Wolves. Well, now they're in a bench role where they're playing close to starter minutes. But it's not just it's not just a higher total of minutes. It's longer stretches of time. That was a what I didn't like about the 11 man rotation is it was so choppy to get to 11 guys. It was like somebody in for three minutes and out and then back in four minutes later. It was just And now you see Malik Beasley, he comes in at like, you know, six minutes into the game and and he's in for the whole rest of the first quarter. And like the first six minutes of the second quarter, that's a long stretch. You can catch a rhythm there. Beasley caught a rhythm tonight. He made five of his 11 threes he took. And McDaniels just seems to fit this bench role so much more naturally. You know, the wild foul totals have gone down a bit since he went to the bench. And as Chris Finch put it after the game, he just seems to be fitting in better to those mixed lineups that he finds himself in through this bench roll. I thought this response about McDaniel's from Finch post game was was really interesting.
3: Chris, what do you think you would attribute Jaden's uh, you know offensive growth in the last few games to? Moving to the second unit, a um, little bit more opportunities out there. Uh, the ball has also been moving. Better. uh better just you know, staying out of foul trouble, staying in the game. I and mean, that's been one of the things that's been really hard for him. he has been in a lot of foul trouble. So he's never been able to get into a rhythm. He's way more sure of the things he's doing. Like, you know, he hits a big three when they were kind of tightening the game up in the second quarter, I believe he just, you know, in rhythm just rises up and knocks it down. So, uh and, you know, he's back to finding some really good cuts off cat. Like that's something that he did a lot last year. Um, and a lot of those come, you know, in our kind of more of our, our mixed lineups, if you will. So
2: I don't think you can understate how important it is for Jay McDaniels to find a rhythm and be the player he can be. You know, not just for the immediate impact it can have on this team, but in how growth for McDaniels signals upside for this group in the big picture. That's big, Jaden McDaniels. Like, it kind of seems like a while ago, but remember summer league. Like Jaden McDaniels is a big part is a big part of a uh, big part of this team. The one player I want to make tonight's forgotten star of uh, the game is Torian Prince, though. Uh, Prince's is, Prince is also important for this team. He hasn't been thus far. Like coming into tonight, he was averaging two point seven points per game, under two rebounds, and under an assist um, in in each game. All while not doing the main thing he was brought into this team to do. Before making three of his five threes tonight, Prince had only made 18.5% of his threes on the season. In terms of his stroke, like I came into the season telling you all about how I I believed that he had the shooting skill to be a 40% three-point shooter given the looks I thought he was going to be getting. On this team, and I still do. I I really do. Prince's game, I think we've seen it, it lacks some burst, from what it, he might have had earlier in his career. But that shouldn't impact his ability to knock down good looks from three. You know, they've they have other players at forward who provide burst. Vander, burst. Vanderbilt and Akogi almost exclusively bring burst. But Torian Prince is important to this team because there are going to be matchups where opponents take advantage. Of Vanderbilt and a inability to space the floor. What the Wolves need from Prince is to be reliable in those situations to come in and be someone who does provide that spacing. His role probably won't be big, but they need him in those small chunks to be effective. You know, kind of like a, like a left-handed pitcher in baseball coming out of the bullpen. Like, do your job, strike out a lefty, and then come sit down on the bench. Like, the Wolves kind of need Torian Prince to be that. I think I think we saw that in the one Clippers game he started. But other than that, tonight was really the only time we've seen Prince in that role and have that role kind of be fulfilled. Consistency is for sure important there for Prince. And one other thing about Prince, I'll know that you just I don't know, you might not be able to to gather from the broadcast is that like Torian Prince has the respect of his teammates on this roster, I think like as much as anyone. I'm honestly, I'm not sure exactly what it is about him. I am not, we're not in the locker room still this year with COVID protocols and everything, but if we're, for a 27 year old, it's not that old in the scheme of the league. Like Prince has the respect from this group of like, or what it seems from what I'm seeing is the respect of like a sage veteran while also because he's only 27, like he has the ability to relate with this younger roster. I, I think age is important there. And you know, this is certainly not to take any credit away from Ricky Rubio, who's thriving in Cleveland. I'm I'm by no means saying the Prince for Rubio swap is like aging well for the Wolves. But I do think an interesting difference that doesn't show up on the stat sheet between Rubio and Prince is, is that Prince is four years younger than Rubio. And I think that plays a role in being relatable to a young group. You know, Prince is only two years older than Kat and Dilo and only seven years older than Nat. Like, that's kind of a big brother gap of age, right? With Rubio, like Rubio's 11 years older than Ant. And that's like, that's more like a wise uncle age gap there. You know, I, I don't, I wouldn't, you know, this is foofy stuff or whatever. And I, I would, I honestly, I wouldn't bring it up. If I didn't think it was a thing, I think I think it's a factor, you know, sitting next to the bench where I do at games and, you know, the the players are there. I'm just watching the behavior and I just it would be much more concerning if Torian Prince was putting forth the stats that he has thus far this season and seeming like he was just a checked out guy at the end of the bench. Like that's that's not at all what I'm seeing. This isn't like Jordan Hill 2.0. So I think, you know, credit due to Torian Prince for that, for staying invested, and and tonight for having, you know, his first, probably his best game of the season thus far. So Prince is tonight's Forgotten Star of the Game presented by Forgotten Star Brewery because unlike Anthony Edwards, he is old enough to legally drink a beer. As always, if you're looking for a brewery this weekend, I would recommend checking out Forgotten Star in Fridley. They have a really big tap room to hang out. Uh, indoors if you want to do that, but also a big outdoor space with heating and tents and all that stuff to make it worth, you know, hanging out at a brewery outdoors. And as always, if you mention this podcast, when you go buy a beer, they'll give you a dollar off those dollar off those beers. Let's uh, wrap up tonight with a recap of my prize picks from these last two Wolves games. I went 0-3-1 on the Kings game because I'm terrible at this. So we'll gloss over that. Uh, that... <coughs> that made it so my record was down to 24 29 and 2 on the year coming in not good. So I did more picks tonight, classic gambler of nothing. Uh to get <laughs> to try and get those uh the five I was down back and I came close. I did six picks um and and the one I really hit on well was was betting on a big game from Carl Anthony Towns. I, presumably because it was a back-to-back like cats points over under, his made threes over under and his free throws Made over under was all down a notch or two from where it's normally at, and that stood out to me. Uh, so I took I took the over on twenty half, 21 and a half points for Cat, the over on two made threes for Cat, and the over on three made free throws. I got those all correct. Twenty five points, three made threes, four made free throws for Cat on the night. And I just want to note that I think like I think things are starting to come easier for Cat offensively. He's still getting. Hit by a real diversity of coverages every night, different types of doubles, different types of primary matchups. But it's just starting to feel a little bit cleaner for Cap of late. I think he's a I think he's a good I just think he's a good bet to have a real solid, you know, next 10, 12, 15 games for the Wolves. I also took the over on 10 and a half points for Doug McDermott tonight. And I knew I was going to get that wrong as soon as I watched the first quarter because I watched Jared Vanderbilt chasing him around on the perimeter. And McDermott's game is based on movement on the perimeter and Vanderbilt is just way faster than he is. McDermott finished the night with nine points, so I missed that one. But you know, credit to the wolves. I think they did a really good job of slowing McDermott, who's actually a pretty important cog in that in that Spurs offense. My other incorrect pick was under 18 and a half points for De'Angelo Russell. My thinking there was that if you look through Delo's career, his average points output drops by 2.3 points per game. In back-to-backs, but you know, credit to Dilo, that did not happen tonight. He put up 22. wasn't an efficient scoring night. Two of seven from two, three of twelve from three. But the Wolves played a lot better with him on the court than when he was off the court. Dilo was a team high plus 29 on the night. The other pick I got correct was over one made free throw for Dejounte Murray, and that stood out. These like. <laughs> Murray got Murray made three free throws. These made free throw props against the Wolves kind of feel like easy money. Uh, you know, yes, McDaniels hasn't been following like crazy these last few games, but for the season, (laughs) it's just part of a byproduct of this Wolves aggressive defense. Like the the Wolves foul a a ton, they they commit they commit fouls on shooters in the league by the the most by far. They allow 21.1. Free throws per 100 shot attempts, and that makes them the only team in the league that allows, has a free throw rate of, free throw, oh my gosh, free throw rate over 20. By contrast, like, the Clippers are the best. They only allow 13. So, that's 4-2 and two on the night for me. Brings my record on the season to 28, 31-2. Creeping back towards 500. If you aren't already playing prize picks with us, you know, get after it. Like, it's super easy to download. Create an account download it, add some funds to wager. And when you create an account, if you put in the promo code Dane, my name, uh, that way, you know, you'll be telling them where you came from, that helps me. But more importantly, it gets you $100 in your account to wager with. Get your friends on it too. Start a competition like a mini fantasy league or something, prize picks app, promo code Dane, 100 bucks for you. And also just a little something else to track during these games that you're already watching. All right, that is all I got for you tonight, one more game of the homestand on Saturday night against Memphis. Again, you know, they're the Grizzlies are a team right above the Kings and the Spurs in this Western Conference hierarchy. I think I think the Wolves proved this week they're at or above the level of teams like that. The Kings and Spurs teams are kind of just outside of the playing group. But the question is, you know, are you as good as now as you climb the ladder? Are you as good as teams like Memphis? The Grizzlies are eight and seven on the season. You know, respectable record for sure. A few games better than the Wolves. But the Grizzlies have the second worst defense in the NBA thus far this year. And I think related to the related to tonight for the Wolves, that's another opportunity to enhance this offensive flow the Wolves seem to have caught recently. We'll see what happens on Saturday. And I will be back to talk to you after that game Saturday night. Until then. Hope you all enjoy your weekend. Check out Forgotten Star Brewery. Till then, I'm Dane.
4: Peace out.
1: you else around,